Welcome to Uncorked, the podcast brought to you by Team Corker, and I could not be more excited to have the very own, Vancouver's very own, Chip Wilson with me today here in Vancouver. Hi, Chip. Hello, Steph. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Ah, I've been excited about this since the summer, and I've been excited about this since the summer because I had done one Ironman in Austria and it was a goal and it didn't quite go to plan. And I actually sent you a message as soon as I finished the race and said, Chip, you taught me everything that I know and love about setting goals, but I forgot to learn about failing at goals. And I said, can we do a podcast on this? And you said, talk to me in September. And here we are. Okay, great. Couldn't be happier. So I mean this, and and I was just joking with you before we got on, that it's not your responsibility to teach me about failing at goals, because you also taught me about personal responsibility. So I get that, and there's no blame. It's just pure love, and the joy, and the euphoria, and the excitement of creating a vision for your life and and setting goals is, is awesome. And the reality is that we don't always hit them. And what do we do about it? And do you just change the goalpost and change the, the buy when date? Do you change the whole goal? When do you get to set new goals? And um, I'm not trying to throw multiple questions at you. I, the first question I just care so much about is tell me about failing at goals. Can we dive in and start right there? Time is precious. I, mean, I, can, I can dive in. Um, and I'm just trying to figure out where to start. I'd say the first thing I'd like to say is that I recognized how tough it was for people to even want to do goals in the first place because so many people, I'd say probably 95% of the people walk around operating to want to look good in front of other people. Hmm. On top of that, they want to look good to themselves. Of course. So that, so if you look at like what a block is to even doing goals in the first place is that, people's ego comes into place and then they don't want to even know that they've failed. So they don't set goals in the first place. So then what does, what does failure do for a person then? Um, You know, I mean, it's no secret if you listen to 10,000 entrepreneurs talk, you know, they say fail and fail more and they fail because then that's where all the real learning occurs. Mm -hmm. Um, Often you can look at, um, um, you know, people in business and, um, And if their business is going fantastic and they're in a market that's like unbelievable and everything's going in the right direction and the winds are behind their back as they are in Ironman, (laughs) uh, you know, then, then all the mistakes that you're making actually don't show up. You are making lots of mistakes. You just don't know it. But when things are going badly and the winds against you and the market's going down or the, or the segment of the industry that you're in is going down and you make a mistake, it really shows up. Mm. And that's the opportunity in life. That's the opportunity to look at it and go, okay, now I see it's a mistake. What what did I do wrong? And um, I notice as, as um, uh, especially as, and I use the analogy of companies because it's not any different than the individual human being. As a company gets bigger, it doesn't want to learn from its mistakes. In other words, it's, it's especially in a public realm, it's constantly trying to look good in front of 
its analysts and shareholders, so it won't it won't actually admit that there's a mistake. So um, so consequently, the the company doesn't learn from the mistake and it can't fix it. Where I think a company in its entrepreneurial stage um, and when it's private is looking at every mistake and going, what did we do wrong and and how and how can I and and what is it that I need to do to change and what processes do I need to do? What, how does my thinking need to change? How does my training for an Ironman need to change in order to, to reach my, the goal that I, that I have for myself? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's just plug Ironman for a second here because Chip, what year did you do Ironman Hawaii? Um, I, my number one thing, my dad, uh, cause I was a competitive swimmer when I was young and my dad had always said to me that pain is all in the mind. Hmm. And I was always fascinated in about the conversation about how powerful is the brain over the body and how much pain can the body take and, um, and, and who's in charge, you know, like, is it my, is it my muscles or is it my brain? And then what part of my brain, the brain that says that, you know, like, you know, like, you know, you, why are you doing this? I don't need to do this. Why don't you just quit? You know, like you don't really need to have all this pain. And then there's a part of me that wants to push beyond that to see what's possible. Um, So I think it was, it was really, uh, the impetus was I, I wanted to know who would win. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> was, you know when I did it and it was only the third year of the Ironman that anybody had done it so there was no really context for it and it would be like now somebody saying I'm gonna I'm gonna run from uh, Morocco to Egypt over the Sahara yeah. Desert you know like yeah. that's yeah. what it looked like back then yeah well a hell of an accomplishment now but it was a different context then no, it's so remarkable, Chip. We're coming up to the 40th anniversary, and to think that you did it in the third year is yeah. that's just so, so cool. Um, and I think that when you speak about companies, it's uh, very fair, and you've, of course, seen the highs and some lows along the way of, of goals being achieved and, and ugly mistakes, too. Um, and then yet Ironman, which is such a personal endeavor and such an individual pursuit, especially on race day when you speak about brain and bodies. Um, can we get like nitpicky only because one of the things I love about goal setting with Chip was so in the details. And, you know, I remember early days at Lululemon when you used to walk the halls and take your pen and write across someone's goal sheet if they didn't have a buy when date and circle something if it wasn't clear enough. And, and if we're talking about personal goals and, you know, the idea of the idea of buy wins and failing at meeting a buy when totally personally because there's no there's there aren't investors on the line there's frankly at the end of the day really it's just you on the line of, of a personal goal that you're setting and you miss the buy one do you change the goal do you rewrite the goal do you keep going what do, what do you do i think the great thing about goals is i think some people see them as a prison as a as opposed to a freedom oh. wait say that again you some people view goals as a prison versus freedom right and you so, view them obviously as freedom. Right. So it's the same way maybe when I was young and I didn't want to use a, a day timer to kind of, because then I kind of felt every meeting I put in was kind of like, like a, a prison on my freedom until I, <laughs> until I changed the context. <laughs> I changed the context of it to be 
like a calendar and, and writing things down, actually I can write in what my freedom is inside right. of the calendar. Right. Now, now with goals, it's, um, it's, it's the, it's not getting stuck on like, that has to be a goal. I can put down a goal and change it tomorrow. It, it's not, I have the freedom to go. The world has changed. I've changed. I've got new information in life. I've got a new relationship. I've, you know, the, boss came in and just offered me a job and something that totally will take me away from goal a b and c and so do i want to do that and then yes is the answer so then you go back and you change your goals there's all mm-hmm. like look at goals as as fun and freedom i think the context of that is so important mm-hmm. um so um the so the buy so buy win date then is i mean the reality of it is and i don't know how much you've talked about this uh Stuff, but I, I see the brain is so much like a computer, and unless you're coding properly, you're gonna, you know, garbage in, garbage out. And our brain computer needs the a, a goal that's quantifiable, like a an accountant can go yes or no. It's not like I'm gonna take a nice vacation in two years, something like that. You know, it's gonna be like, I'm gonna take my three family members to Europe for two weeks by December 18, December 31st to 19 or something. Yeah. So consequently, if the brain doesn't get it in a form of which it can do something with, then, then the brain can't, um, can't work on it. And consequently, even though it's a bad goal, you'll fail in it. Mm. Because right. brain, brain can work twenty four seven, and yeah. work, it's always working in the background. So yeah. So the reason I bring this up, and the reason I bring it up, is to not dwell on on a failed goal, um, because I think the goal in and of itself is amazing, and failing or not, you get to choose whether you keep on. Um, but it's more to that beautiful C word called changed, and changing, and how I mean, you've seen so much change, and it's it's not about bouncing back per se um, or bouncing up, uh, but I want to know like what are the Chip Wilson secrets to navigating a landscape of of business of life of the city you live in that is going through such immense change? What what holds you and grounds you during during that time? I look at every decision and everything that's occurring to me from the age of being eighty five years old and. And I look at my vision, and my vision is sitting around a Thanksgiving dinner at uh, 85 with my children and grandchildren, and everyone's laughing at me. Because <laughs> I, I know if they're laughing at me, they, they, they love me, right? Uh, yeah. And so, so if I look back at that, then, it, then, it, then I can easily set 10-year, 5-year, and 1-year goals, and, and, and my vision grounds me, but also then I would – pick what you know what is what is what are my values like what do I really stand for like and there's like a maybe there's about 60 or 70 values wow and, and I love that I don't know if you've ever done this thing I think we did it stuff where you had there was a card deck and, oh yeah we created the card deck yeah, right right yeah there's, I don't know maybe there was 52 there and then you went down to 26 and they asked you to go down to 13 then down to seven then down to four then down to three right yeah yeah clear on what your your values were. your values so, yeah so with vision and values and goals I think it really creates a structure for change and uh, and again not looking at I I, I don't think values and visions should change 
But mm. I think roles can change within that, how the world oh, changes. Awesome. I love it. And I ask about change, Chip, because um, one of the things of many, well, first of all, let's just honor that in the values deck, there are 52 cards. You go from 52 cards down to three values and you currently have 60 to 70 values. <laughs> so you're doing really well. You're more well, than... I, I don't. It's just that there are. There oh, there are. Oh, I thought, I was like, how on earth do you keep track of all of those, mm. Chip? No, no. Okay. Now I get it. Um, yeah. One of the things I love so much about you is your steadfastness. And there's so much to chip. I mean, really, when we were working together, I knew that I could count on a Friday morning gross grind. I knew how consistent you were. And I think sometimes consistency can get mistaken for, um, you, it's not about hanging on to the past, but you hang on to your vision so strongly. And so I ask about change because I think it's, it's a bit of a beautiful tug of war of you're hanging on to something that you care so much about. And yet this world is, you know, tsunami and the waves of change are real. And so, you know, even as an entrepreneur, talk about a business that you're hanging on to a vision and you have a, a lot of people saying it should be done differently. Um, what, what are your thoughts about hanging on i think it's about um everything in the world is is around a bell curve it's it's probably the most ma amazing mathematical um equation or graph or, or concept that there is and that is that um in in our life on every subject the definition of every word everything in politics everything with the me too movement everything revolves around a con the bell curve. So there are going to be people on one far end and a few people on the other far end and a whole bunch of people maybe in the middle or maybe that the height of the bell curve shifts one way or the other. So the question underlying it is like, do we handle change because of through our genetics? Like are some people genetically not set up for change? Mm -hmm. And then are people like genetically set up for change or is it environment and do we learn it? I think it hasn't never really showed up maybe until 30 years ago because the world moved quite, quite slowly. But now the world is changing, as we know, exponentially, and we're in a digital revolution, and, and, um, and it's almost like change or die. And um, so when I, I'll use the analogy of a company again, back in you know, 30, 40 years ago, a company could have a strategy and, a, and kind of go along and change it every five years type of thing. But now the, and maybe it would think, oh, I'm going to buy another company, you know, like, and to kind of like diversify a bit. But now the reality of it is you have to have the existing company you have that's making you your core money that you know is going to go out of business at some time in the future because the world's going to change. Mm -hmm. and doing that you have another one that's coming through another business that you're developing to come into play in three years from now in order to supplant whatever it is that you are already doing and then on top of that you need I would say another 10-year um, business that you're looking at like where is the world going in 10 years from now and you've got to be that now hmm. and that that requires probably about 25% more employees and it takes a CEO, or if not that, a visionary in the company, a chairman or somebody on the board, who's actually like thinking well beyond um, the, you know, the existing structure. And so I'm really saying that same thing for a human being. 
like like we have to we have to be right we have to change or but you know thankfully there's some people that don't like change you know and they have certain yeah. jobs which are very you know like uh fit into a puzzle they they it's low risk it's usually like you know medium to lower pay but that's what makes them happy and mm-hmm. you can can't say that there's anything wrong with those people. They they fit perfectly within our society. Absolutely. And we appreciate them. We appreciate them for finding joy and what works for them. Yeah. Um I can't end this podcast without asking about the gross grind. Because I think in the world of change, in the years that you've been rocking that mountain, how much has the gross grind changed? Well, of course, it's changed from being a path where you'd get lost every second. <laughs> something where, uh, you know, where it's, you know, you know, the joke would be like, when are you going to put in an escalator? <laughs> but, um, I think it's really beautiful. I think that, the you know, they've got those guys that uh, built the mountain bike paths in West Vancouver and they moved them over to the gross grind. And, and I look at the rock work and the, and that I kind of, uh, I think about Italy and when I, you yeah. know, climb the, uh, walk of the gods in near Positrano in Italy, and I go all the stonework and everything. I think, you know, if I look at that, this is good. this is a work of art in the middle of art, which is the grouse grind. Aw, that's amazing. I remember when the goal was to do the grind the same number of times as your age. Yeah, is that still an annual goal? Well, actually, I've been doubling that, so I've been, <laughs> I think it's part of you know, like you know, figuring out that, you know, it's time to do less work and more, more work on health. And, uh, and I, of course I don't golf, so I kind of use it as a, as a meeting place to meet between four and 16 people. I have a big list of people that I go with and we, you know, we talk about business, we talk about how the world's changing. And of course we get to complain about our wives. (laughs) You do not do that. Complaint is below the line. You know better. Um, I want to know your vision. This is my last question for you. Your vision on what we, what is the most important thing we can be doing for our health in the eyes of Chip Wilson right now? I'm going to give you an an example and it's around goal setting that happened to me. So I was 242 pounds and I decided I wanted to be 230 pounds. And so I set that goal 230 pounds by a certain date. And then I, and then I really recognized how limiting my goal was because I'd set it from past, from, from my past, so to speak, or, or information that I already had or what my body felt like or what it was or looking in the mirror. And so I'd like to take that as opposed to waking it, like if I'd gotten into a car accident, I'd woken up in the hospital with amnesia and I could remember nothing of my past. And I kind of, looked at myself and said, geez, I'd like to uh, lose some weight. And then go, where, where would I get information for that? So if I went to a doctor or I went on, you know, I Googled, you know, uh, what a, you know, six foot three, 63 year old man should, uh, should weigh, you know, then it would say 208 pounds. Hmm. So I, I got really clear on my health then that if I set a goal on health based from what I, I had been or what was, then that's a very limiting goal. And I was limited in my goal setting and I was actually setting goals from, uh, and mediocrity, I call it. So based in the past would be mediocrity. Whereas if I set it from an, uh, having amnesia and then researching what would be the best 
right. and it says 208 pounds. So then I reset my goal to be 208 pounds. Mm. And I think that can, that can change health drastically. Mm. Beautiful. All right. We wrap every podcast at Team Corker with one question, and it's f- my favorite in the world of health because I care so much about what makes your heart beat. And our last question is today, this morning, Chip Wilson, what is making your heart beat faster? Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it always is love of my family, mm. love of my family, hundred percent. Amazing. You taught me about goals. You've taught me about failing and I couldn't be more grateful. And you also taught me about time integrity. And I said, I would only take 20 minutes of your time. So with that, we must wrap. And I really, really appreciate you, Chip. Thank you. Love and kisses. Love and kisses. Okay. Bye-bye, Steph.